Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. We are in week four. We are finishing part four. Sorry, we're in week five, part four of who God says you are. And the cornerstone scripture of this is John 1, 12. It says, to all who receive him and believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, that you are an adopted son or you're an adopted daughter if you believe. And so last week we introduced um, the three things that we struggle with in believing who God says you are, who God says we are. And we identified and we discussed two of them. Those two were the struggle that we have with ourselves and the struggle that we face with others. And so if you missed that, you need to go check it out. It's up and ready for you. Today we're finishing up um, what was intended to be a one-week message. It's turned into four, and this could have been two more, but we're going to finish it up today because um, we're discussing the last, that third thing that we wrestle, and the third person that we wrestle is God. And we're going to talk today about how we wrestle. We're going to use the story of Jacob and um, and the and the fact that we wrestle in who we are, who God says we are, and believing and being who he says we are as individuals. And so last week, as I closed the message, I challenged you to identify one thing that you needed to lay down. One thing. And I ask it like this. This is on the screen. It says, what one thing, if you laid it down, would allow you to be closer to God and more like who he says you are? What one thing? And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you a couple seconds. And if you were here last week, but you like shut, you shut me off as soon as it was over and you forgot. If you've not identified that, you need to. You need to. Especially as we get through today, hopefully you've brought your Bibles and your notebooks because it's going to be a really good day. And here's the thing that you need to lay down. You might think, well, I don't don't really have anything. It could be a label. It could be a lie that you've told yourself. It could be a mindset. It could be your perception. For a lot of us, it's just our perception. And only you know what that one thing is that you need to lay down. There could be 500 things, okay? But they're all just tiny molehills anyways. And so what's that one thing? What's the biggest molehill that you need to lay down today? And I wanted to let you know why I asked this. I asked this because when you look at Hebrews 12.1, this is another scripture. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a ton of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and sin that holds us back. And we must run with endurance the race set out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set out for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. What's Paul saying here? Paul in Hebrews is saying in verse 1, he's saying, get rid of, put off, lay it down, especially sin. So he's saying, lay it all down. And in verse uh, 2, he's saying, focus, remember, accept, trust, trust in the one. He's saying you can't write your own faith, you can't earn your salvation, and you can't pay the bill. You can't pay the bill. Jesus did. He wasn't concerned with the shame. And because he paid the bill, we are. Because he paid the bill, we are. And so when you believe in and walk in this, when you believe in and walk in John 12, you're adopted. You pick up a new name. You pick up his name. And his name is royalty royalty. So you're not just a son of or a daughter, you are royalty. 
In Hebrews 12, 1, it says, let us run with endurance the race out before us. And I want to, I want to identify that race or define that race for you. It's, it's found in Galatians 5, 13. It says, for you have been called. Here's the race you're running. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Remember, put it off. Get rid of, put off, lay down, especially sin, lay it all down. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So the race we're running is living like Jesus in a relationship with God through the Son, right? Because people are looking. And it's not, oh, they're looking, so I better, you know, straighten up and fly right, right? No, they're looking, so then we as believers should lead. We should lead our faith. We should be examples in word, deed, purity, faith, in everything we do. Be an example, even if you have to use words, right? And so what hinders us? What hinders us in this? It's the stuff that we cling to. It's the stuff that we fail to let go of. It's the people who continually disappoint us, but we keep putting faith in them. And we hope differently. We're hoping for something different. And we hold on to the things that we like. We think that we like because they bring something, but that something is really an anchor. It's an anchor. And you hold on to, or you keep these things that hold you back because the reality is this, a familiar prison feels more comfortable than an unfamiliar freedom. Why? I've used this analogy before. We uh, took it from one of our friends in Las Vegas who pastors an amazing church out there. And here's the problem with this little phrase right here. A familiar prison feels more comfortable than unfamiliar freedom. You'd say, yeah, that's not me. Well, here's the reality. Some of you don't think you're in prison right now. You can't see the bars. And although you can't see the bars, you can feel the weight of the cage. You can feel the weight of the cage. And because you can feel that, you think, or could think, I'm, I'm separated from God. Separated from God. And the reality is, is God is with you. He's never left you. And you feel separated from Him because of what you're carrying, not because He's not there. And so because you carry it, it holds you back. It holds you back. And God's saying He has all these great things for you. God says He's called you to be all of these great things. And you say, yeah, yeah, in a minute, man, let me drag this along, right? And it's holding you back, and you believe it's creating a great divide. And even though he said, give it to me, he said, give it to me. Cast all your cares upon me. We shared some of that. You choose to keep it. You choose to keep it. Hang with me. Hang with me. It gets better. And when you do that, when you choose to cling, when you choose to hold on to, when you choose to keep, okay, when you choose to stay, in your familiar prison, because it's comfortable, because you know it, you don't like it. You don't like it, but you know it, right? When you choose that, your actions are saying that you don't believe God has forgiven you. That's what you're saying. By continuing to carry and cling to the old mindset, the old story, the lie, the perception, the mindset, you're really saying... You're really saying 
that God needs to do more for your forgiveness and, and that Jesus' sacrifice, that wasn't enough. Listen, you don't know. He does know. And so then when we fail to let go of the things that hold us back, we're saying, God, you need to do more, that he wasn't enough. And Jesus was more than enough, right? And the reality in all this is you're choosing to live you're choosing to live in what you know, even if it's uncomfortable, because it's easier than stepping into a freedom that you've never known. And that freedom could be great, but because you never took a step over there, you dream about it, you hope for it, strive for it. We just put in the work, man. I just got to keep working because if I just keep working one day, I'm going to get to take this step. It's right there. God said, take it, take it. But you'd say, if I take it, what am I going to do with all this stuff? And God says, you should do this. Just let it go. Just let it go. Here's why it's, it's a struggle. Because living in that freedom takes real faith. Living in that freedom, taking that step, takes real faith. It takes a love and a trust. What's faith? Faith is complete trust. Not partial trust, right? Faith is complete trust in God. Today, I want you to hear this. I'm not questioning your faith today. I am challenging your trust. Because we've all said, I love God. Love God. But when it comes to trusting God, that's our struggle. That's our struggle. Trust is the foundation of a real relationship with God, but it's also the reason that you wrestle with God. It's trust. I run as hard as I can. I do as much as I can. And at the end of the day, it's still not enough. Trust. Trust. You have to trust. Complete trust in your relationship takes the lid off your life. Takes a little sweet mason jar. I know some of you guys appreciate this. Takes a lid off and whew, there it goes. Right? It takes a lid off your life and allows you to walk in a new life with a new name without all the garbage. Without all the garbage. What does that complete trust? Not partial trust. Not trust when you, when, when you have no other option. Complete trust 100% of the time. Complete trust allows you to be not to do. Partial trust creates the need for you to do. Complete trust. Complete trust allows you to be, to be a son or a daughter, to be holy and blameless. That complete trust gives you that. To be bold and confident. To be justified and redeemed. That's complete trust. You should see all of these right now. Complete trust means that you believe. Complete trust, not partial trust. Now, complete trust means that you believe that you're chosen and that you're accepted. That you believe that you are loved and that you are completely whole, that you're enough. It means that you believe that you are one with God, that you've been forgiven and that you are triumphant, that he calls you into a triumphant procession. He causes you to win. 
That's what complete trust does. That's what complete trust does. If you're there today and you say, hey, complete trust, walk and believe and feel all that, hey. Now it's time for you to lead somebody else. There are several, I could have ended the message right here, okay? Now, if you're not there, what's keeping you from trusting that? What's keeping you from believing that? Because these are all God's promises. Every word of God proves true. God's promises for you are the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Every word of God proves true. So what keeps you? What keeps you from believing that? Hebrews 12 says, get rid of it, put it off, lay it down. Who are you wrestling with about this? You know, because we've already asked and answered the question. The person you're wrestling with about this is the same person that you're wrestling with about your trust, that your trust wavers in. It's God. It's God. We know it's not between you and you because you would solve it if it was you. And we know it's not between you and others because you would shove them away if it wasn't good, right? And by not letting go, your actions prove that it's between you and God. By not giving it to him, by not trusting him, you're saying, hey, this is a match, this is a wrestling match that I have to, you know, take up with the Lord. So, so we look then to Jacob as the example for this wrestling match because <sighs> nowhere else is it more clear. Old Testament story. It's Genesis, uh, late in chapter 25, all the way through 32. We're not going to read all this today, but man, this week, I would love for you to go and dig into this. And so that's probably the first note that you can take down. If you haven't taken down some of those points before, you can always screenshot if you a little bit slow on the notes. Sometimes I talk a little fast. And so, um, and so let, me, let me catch you up on Jacob. Jacob had a past. He was the younger twin brother of Esau. He deceived Esau with a cup of stew and he took his birthright. And then later he pretended to be his brother uh, Esau and he stole his brother's blessing, which is a big deal because that means he took his inheritance. You find that in Genesis 27. Isaac finds out that he took his blessing and he's infuriated. And in Genesis 27, 36, he says, is he not rightly named? Like he is, he is over the top. Is he not rightly named? He's cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing, my inheritance. Jacob then fled to Haran. He ends up working two decades for his uncle Laban. At the end of those two decades, he has two wives. His uncle had pulled the old swoop and swap on him. He has two wives. He intended to have one, Rachel. But in those two decades, he also had gained some wealth and some land, and he had a release. And God says, hey, I want you to go back home. Take your whole family and go back home. And so on the way uh, back home, Jacob wrestles with God. It's, we call it an angel of God. And they wrestled all night. And they wrestled all night. And this was a point that came up in a conversation um, last week. Isn't it funny that when we wrestle... It's always at dark. We don't wrestle in the day when we're busy because we're busy. We don't have time to wrestle. We don't have time to wrestle because we're busy doing. But at night when things calm down and the wheels start turning upstairs, we have some of the worst wrestling message inside of our head, right? 
And this is where we find ourselves. This is where we find ourselves. Our, our real struggle is not with ourselves, and it's not with others because those two, those two will cancel each other out if, if, if we can get our relationship right with God. And there are two reasons that we find ourselves struggling with God. We doubt His wisdom, and we want control. We doubt His wisdom, and we want control. We lack trust. And when you doubt God's wisdom, you're taking authority. You're taking God's authority in your life. You're sitting in the seat of God. And when your trust isn't there, what you say with your actions is that you know better than He does. You know better than He does. It's similar to parenting. And if you're a parent, you know. And if you're not a parent, it's common. Okay? My kids never doubt my love for them. They know that I love them no matter what. They've always known that. But they do doubt my wisdom. They do lack in trusting. And they, they doubt it all the time, right? And so do your kids. Everybody's kids do this. Because they think they have a better way. And even though they only have been on the planet for five years, okay, they already have the shortcut and they know, they know everything and they have the excuses why they shouldn't. And, they, and, and it's just that. And so I don't ask my kids, don't, don't you love me? I say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Because if you trust me, you'll listen and you'll follow through. I know you love me. I know you love me. And for a lot of us, this is what we do and how we do with God, right? We know God loves us, but sometimes we doubt his wisdom. We just don't trust. So that leads us to constantly question, well, why did that happen? Why did he let this happen? Well, how come this is? Why is that that way, right? Instead of just saying, you know, God, I trust you. I trust you. Jacob, of all people, demonstrates this struggle with God. So then, quick reminder, Jacob steals his brother's birthright and his blessing. Esau wants to kill him. Jacob runs away to another part of the country. He marries his uncle's daughters. 20 years later, God tells him to go back home with his family. On his way back, Jacob heard that Esau was heading towards him with 400 men, with an army. And he thought, oh God, it's on. So he was scared to death, but God told him to go home. So he had to obey, right? Love and trust, follow through. That's obedience. Jacob sent his family along with all the stuff that he gained from those 20 years of work, and he sent them ahead, okay? And he sent them to Esau to gain favor with him. And with what he sends ahead, he's, play, he's, he's paying his brother back. He's giving his brother back everything that he stole from him. Birthright, blessing. Okay. Jacob was trying to make things right with his brother by sending that ahead. Plus, plus he knew he wanted to see him, you know, finished. Right? And about the time Jacob gives up everything he has and he sends his family. Across the river to the other side, God shows up. God shows up. And what we need to take into account is that Jacob ran from God his entire life. He only did what he wanted. He did only for himself. He was always looking out for number one, right? I've been guilty of that. But at this point in his life, God has a plan and a purpose for Jacob. And God is sick of seeing Jacob run from him. And so God wants to solve the issue now. 
And what you need to see is God had a purpose for Jacob, just like he has a purpose for you. Don't let the purpose word run you off. The Bible tells us that that night, Jacob met a man who was an angel of God, an angel representing God. And we're going to read this together. This is just Genesis 32, 23 through 30. Here's what it says. That night, a man came and wrestled with him until daybreak. It's a long wrestling match. When the man saw that he wasn't winning the struggle, the angel, right? The angel saw he wasn't winning the struggle. He hit Jacob on the hip and he was thrown out of joint. The man said, let me go. Daylight is coming. And Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And the man says, what, or the man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he replied. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. You have struggled with God and with men, and you have won. So your name will be Israel. Then God blessed him right there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. A couple things to note if you're taking notes. It's important to note that the angel said that he wasn't winning, that he wasn't winning. God could have overcome Jacob like that easily, right? And instantly, like, but he let the struggle go on to allow Jacob to believe he was winning, right? It's a big lesson for us here. This is a big lesson. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God will wrestle with you anytime you want to, anytime you want. My kids have gotten a little bit out of the wrestling stage but they used to come all the time. Hey, dad, let's wrestle. Okay, that's not this type of wrestling, but God will wrestle with you anytime you want. He welcomes it and he doesn't look down on it. He does not look down upon it. And sometimes we carry stuff that we need to take to him, but we think, nah, now nah, he couldn't possibly care about this or want to know about this or, or all those things, right? Some of you right now are wrestling with God. And I just want to let you know that he's okay with it, that he's okay with it and that he wants to see you through, that he wants to see you through. And if you will just cling, if you just hold on tight to him, if you just hold tight to him, the best thing that's ever going to happen in your life is just right on the other side of it. And so then don't quit. Don't quit. If you're wrestling with God right now, it's okay. Here's why. There's two reasons this is okay. Because the opposite of wrestling with God is walking away from him. And so then he's going to wrestle with you. Number two, God would rather have you fighting with him than fleeing from him. God would rather have you wrestle than walk. And he would rather have you fight than flee. What do you know about wrestling right now? If you wrestled, you're kind of a cheater. It's okay. I wrestled until I was in seventh grade, and then it became enough for me. Wrestling is close. It's face-to-face. -face. It's before tights, by the way, so get all that wrestling out of there, okay? In wrestling match, it's close. It's tight. It's face-to-face. -face. Pretty intimate, man. You're up in somebody's grill. Sometimes you smell their breath. You smell B.O., you smell all kinds of stuff when you're wrestling, right? Wrestling is all about control. It's control. I'm going to put this person right where they belong, right where they need to be. It's control. 
And the winner of the wrestling match is the one who can control the other person. If you're taking notes. In your wrestling with God, two questions. In your wrestling with God, have you ever been that close? Have you ever been that close? Are you engaged? Is this a one-time wrestling match that you're going to come and revisit six months later because the problem wasn't resolved? The issue wasn't solved? Number two, if not. If not, it's only one question, sorry. If you're not close when you're wrestling, you're not wrestling, okay? You're just playing mind games with yourself, and that goes back to last week, okay? Second question. Now, in your wrestling, have you ever told God that you won't let him go? Or has your frustration taken over? In your wrestling, have you ever told God, I will not let you go? Not even the last part. Unless you bless me. Until you bless me. Have you ever told God, I won't let you go? I won't let you go. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what all the external stuff is. I don't care what my neighbor says. I don't care what sign's out in that dude's yard. I don't care what sign they put in my yard. I will not let you go. Jacob tells God, he says this, he says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And he says that because Jacob knows he needs it. He needs it. And so then the one thing that you must get to the root of when you're wrestling with God is you have to own, you have to own the issue. You have to admit the issue. The problem with this is this is that unspoken thing that we used to do in the 90s, right? If prayer quest, yeah, what is it? It's unspoken. The heck does that mean, right? Unspoken. We're just going to pray for you, okay? We'll just pray everything, all the time, all over. Can you give me a word? Can you give me something, okay? Can you give me something? It's meant to be a joke, by the way. Still get those unspokens every now and again. And so that normally goes unspoken, right? Because we assume. We know what that does, okay? He knows. God knows. Reality is, he does know. But he needs you to do your part. Own it. Take ownership of it. It's the same thing we tell our kids. There's a proverb. There's a proverb that essentially says this is, man, take ownership. Take ownership of it. There's no excuse. There's no excuses. Own it and then make it right with words and actions, okay? Here's a sad truth. We want control. We want to control everything. And because we want to control everything, that only causes confusion and makes our circumstance worse. When in reality, we just need to get close. We need to hold tight and we need to struggle well. Struggle well. Right? Because whenever God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. When God asks Jacob, what's your name? He already knew the answer. He knew it. When God asks you a question, he wants you to know the answer. He wants you to know the answer. So then, remember, God asked Jacob, what's your name? God wanted Jacob to take ownership of it. Jacob means manipulator. It means deceiver. 
And what you see is once Jacob took ownership of it, God gave him a new name. God gave him a new name. He says, your name will be Israel. Okay. And Israel means struggles with God. It has a secondary meaning. It means prince with God, prince, royalty. God's using Jacob here to help you identify with how he sees you, with who he says you are. So God told him, you were a manipulator, you were a deceiver, but now you're going to be a prince. You're going to be a prince. And this whole struggle, this whole struggle that Jacob has with God changes his identity forever. It changes everything in Jacob's world. That entire struggle with God changed Jacob's identity. And when you change the way you think about yourself, it changes you. You can walk in and own and carry, well, I'm just a deceiver. I deceived him and I lied to him and I was fake with him, right? When you change the way you think about yourself, it changes you. Change in your life starts with change in your perspective. When God tells Jacob to let me go, the angel they're wrestling, and he tells Jacob, let me go. When Jacob is clinging to God, here's what he's saying. I have nothing. I understand who I am. I know who I am. I have nothing. I've paid everything back. And, and not in a, not in a like, because I want to be okay. I paid everything back. When he's clinging, he's saying, I'm empty. I'm out. I've laid everything down. When he's holding on tight, he's saying, I need you. I need you, God. That's what he's saying. So much so, he says, and I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And in that moment, in that moment, God says, I see. I see. But let's see if you mean it. Let's see if you mean it. And before you bless him, he says, what's your name? He says, what's your name? And for the first time, for the first time in Jacob's life, he understands who he is. He takes ownership of it and he responds, Jacob, I am Jacob. And for the first time physically, emotionally, and spiritually, he was done running and he understood who he was. There's no bartering, no stove for a right. There was no costumes, okay? No, none of this for a blessing. There was no deception. There was nothing fake in it. God saw Jacob's heart. And in that moment, he took Jacob's heart of stone and he turned it to flesh. Proverbs 21, 2 says, Every way a man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but God knows your heart. 
Jacob finally gave his heart to God. His whole heart. So then what happens is in Genesis 32, 28, the angel said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, which means prince with God. Your royalty. Whole heart. Royalty. And what you need to see in all of Jacob's story is this. If you're writing notes, you're, you're, you're kind of putting this all together and you're, you're, you're starting to see where your pieces fit. The blessing that the angel gives is a new name and it comes with a new day. These come together. So then the blessing is a mirror of what Jacob stole from his brother. The blessing is a birthright and it's a blessing. It's the blessing. And now Jacob, for the first time, rightfully has a birthright and he has a blessing of his own as a child of God. The birthright is represented with his new name. It's a change of identity. We are born again unto Christ. We are children of the King. This is John 1.12. To all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. The blessing is represented by a new day. They wrestled all night long and the sun was coming up. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. God makes all things new. Revelation 21.5 says this. Is, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, love this part. Write this down. And these words are trustworthy and true. Every word of God proves true. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. I'm going King James on you here. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The blessing is represented in a new day. God makes all things new. Jacob had a rebirth. Jacob's rebirth is the same rebirth that, that you and I experience when we believe what John 12, John 1 12 says. Born again. A new name. And that new name is nothing like before. Because now you're a prince. You are royalty. And princess. Every salvation, every salvation is based upon faith. What did I say faith was? Complete trust. Jacob had faith. That's why he held on. That's why he kept wrestling. Jacob's faith was there. He had complete trust. He knew he just needed to hang on. If I'll hang on, if I'll hang on, if I'll hang on, if I'll hang on, if I'll hang on to God, to God, not to a job, not to anything else. If I'll hang on, Jacob had let everything go. He sent everything away ahead. All I have is who I am. But if I'll just hang on, God will bless me. Jacob said, I'm not letting go until I hear your promise. And every promise of God proves true. He was that sure. He was that sure. He had nothing to his name but faith. That's all he had. And after Jacob, and after that, so this moment ends, right? 
After that, Jacob is continually blessed. His relationship with his brother Esau is restored and life was good. You can read the rest of the story. What I hope that you see in Jacob is that we all wrestle with God. We all wrestle with letting things go. And we all wrestle with believing the promise of God is true. We all wrestle with that trust, right? So I'll close with this. God does his deepest work, his deepest work in your life when he deals with your identity, with who you are. It's who you are and it's how you see yourself. You're always going to tend to act or trend according to the way that you think about yourself. So God does his greatest work in your life by changing the way that you see yourself. And what I believe God is saying to you today is this. Let me show you how I see you. I tell Heather all the time, man, I wish you could see yourself how I see you. I pray this over myself all the time. God, help me to see myself how you see me. I pray this over our community and over you. You're watching. Lord, help me to love these people like you love them. Help me to see them how you see them. And I pray that because some people are frustrating. Okay? It's just real. Okay? What God's saying is, let me show you how I see you. Because when you see yourself the way I see you, it will change your life. When you see yourself the way I see you, it'll change your life. He says your name will no longer be what it is. And from now on, you're going to be called a son. You're going to be called a daughter. But all who receive and believe are given a new name and a new identity. God loves you just the way you are. Nothing needs to change. God loves you just the way you are. And so he pushes you not to stay there. Because he wants you to grow. He wants you to get better. He wants you to be different. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. And he wants you to be who you're meant to be. This starts with who you are. It starts with who you are. So this message, week four, of who God says you are, the line in the sand is, will you believe it? Will you trust it? Will you take the last four weeks? Will you take today? And will you let it change your life? Because when you see you, how God sees you, you'll walk as a son or a daughter of the king. The struggle's real. Not saying you're never going to wrestle. But once you get past yourself and once you get past other people, we have to be honest with God. We have to be honest with God. And we have to let go of what keeps us so we can cling to Him. 
Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at liveredefined.com. Follow us on social media at Redefined Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.